Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. I wonder if you would agree with me when I say our world is changing. Let's just look back over the last 20 years. It's 2019. So 20 years ago, 1999, we were all freaking out about Y2K. Some of you guys are looking at me going, Y2, what, 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 what? How many of you remember Y2K? Yeah. Some things have happened over the last 20 years. Do you know that in the last 20 years, the internet has changed everything? How many of you are carrying the internet with you right now? You've got it with you right now. That didn't happen 20 years ago. In fact, only about 40% of Americans even had internet access in their homes 20 years ago. Now, there are more people on the globe that have access to the internet than have a toilet that flushes. Maybe that just speaks to our priority. I, I, think, uh, I think you should have both of those things. It makes me think about my childhood. Now, I'm older than some of you, not as old as some of you. I remember as a child, the most, one of the most popular games was lawn darts. Anybody remember lawn darts? If you don't remember lawn darts, lawn darts were this game where about an 18-inch long dart with a solid steel shaft filed to a point, was attached to some feather-type substances, and the object of the game is you're supposed to put this circle in the middle of your lawn and you're supposed to throw it high and see who can land the lawn dart closest to the circle. That is not how we played it in my neighborhood. In my neighborhood, it looked something like this. I had the lawn dart, and I went, I'll give you a five-second head start. Five, four. See, the, the feathers helped with the accuracy as you're popping off your friends with the lawn darts. We had a bow and arrow set that came with a, a paper target. We never shot at the paper target. We shot at each other, clearly, because that's what you do. My parents bought me a wood-burning set. Who had a wood-burning set? For those of you that might be unfamiliar with wood-burning, it's a iron that's heated to about 1,800 degrees that allows you to carve designs into small pieces of wood. That is not what we used it for. We branded cats. Oh. Not, not really. Tracy's throwing darts at me right now. My next-door neighbor had a trampoline and a basketball goal. 
These two activities were intended to be performed separately, and that's not how we did it. Every red-blooded American male knows what we did with the trampoline and the basketball goal. Woo, slam dunk, broken ankle. The world is changing. When I was a small child, and we, we had to travel four or five times a year to my grandparents' house in Greenville, South Carolina. If those of you that got your geography down, that's about 150 miles north of I-85, and we were in it in the car the whole time. It was excruciating. Sometimes my dad would stop halfway and let me buy some comic books at the Stuckies. Anybody remember Stuckies? I am the oldest person alive. And I'd buy three comic books, and that would get me the last 75 miles. Now, I heard a preacher talking about it this morning. We, we get in our cars, and we've got to put a DVD on to entertain the children on the way to school. The world is changing. Something else that's happening. How many of you understand that everything now is offensive? Am I right? Everything is offensive. Our society is being groomed to believe, by the way, that offense is a bad thing. How many of you know sometimes you need to get offended? If you're wrong, and I have been and am frequently, I want somebody to tell me when I'm wrong. Don't just protect my feelings and make me exist in my wrongness. Help me. Golly, isn't that the truth? And you've heard me go on my diatribe about the participation trophies in Little League and we, how we've stopped keeping score. Why play the game? It drives me crazy. No losers. Everybody's a winner. And listen, how many know that's not how life works? There's 1,500 people applying for the job for three positions. Somebody got to lose. And that's offensive. Yes, I know. I know. No one is better than little Johnny at anything. Yes, we've met little Johnny. The one that, that gets me are these reality singing competitions on television where people audition that have no business auditioning. And nobody in their life loved them enough to say, baby, you can't sing. Because I, nobody loves them that much, they're going to be on YouTube forever as the worst American Idol audition in the history because nobody loved them enough to say, baby, you can't sing. Because it would be offensive. Here's the problem. <laughs> Is it possible that our growing fear of bringing offense to other people has caused the church to be silent about the most important issue of our day? I'm going to say yes. What issue are you talking about, Dwayne? You're, you're talking about abortion. Well, listen, that's a big deal. And, and I believe that the church ought to stand against injustice. I'm going to tell you that's not the most important 
issue of our day. Well, you're obviously talking about homosexuality and gay marriage and all that stuff, but I'm going to say, no, we, we've been pretty vocal about that. And while God's idea of marriage should be protected and, and discussed and it should be part of our conversation, that's not the most important issue of our day. Well, obviously, Dwayne, you're talking about the political process, and no. No, we've been very vocal about that because, as you know, you have to be a Republican to be saved. <laughs> or so you would think. See, I'm, I'm afraid that as, as a movement, as a church, as a people, we've become very good at talking about the sickness, but not so great at talking about the cure. See, I believe that even though it could be offensive, as men and women, teenagers, children, who have been transformed by the grace of God, we should be vocal. Why? I, I did, a little, did a little rough math this morning. And here's what I... I came to the conclusion that every two seconds, say two seconds, someone across this globe steps out of this life into the next realm. So I combined that with some statistics about Christianity, and here's what I've come up with. And again, this is rough math, but I think I'm pretty close. That every three seconds, someone across this globe steps into a Christless eternity. One, two, three. One, two, three. Every three seconds, someone leaves this world apart and separated from God. One, Two, three, one, two, three. Does that disturb you? It should. It should disturb you. It should disturb me. I wonder, I wonder if we really believe what we say. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Do we really believe that? If we did, don't you think it would come up in conversation from time to time? One, two, three. One, two, three. In the time I've been talking, dozens of people have stepped off of this planet into eternity apart from Christ. That should disturb us. If you got your Bibles or you want to follow along on the screen, you can follow along on your bulletin. It's a relatively familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 4. 
Jesus is starting his ministry and he's beginning to call his disciples. Matthew 4 verse 18 says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. You should read that in King James sometimes because I, I find it comical. Because it says, they threw nets in the water because they were fishermen. And I read that and I think, well, why else would they be throwing nets in the water? Because they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come to. Lord, o over the next few moments, I, uh, I pray that you would show us the urgency of this message, the urgency that should dwell within the heart of everyone who knows Christ. The urgency to recognize that we are here for a purpose. Teach us that today in Jesus' name. First thing I want you to recognize from that passage is that evangelism to Jesus, to Jesus' evangelism was a priority. Do you notice he said, Come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. He didn't say, hey, come follow me and I'll take care of all the stuff you're dealing with. Come follow me and I'll help you be a better person. All that stuff's important. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll help you stop cussing. I think Peter cussed. Listen, read the story a little further. And, and when they come to arrest Jesus, Peter cuts the dude's ear off with a sword. Listen, if you're going to cut somebody's ear off, you'll probably drop a cuss word here and there. But that's not what he said to Peter. He didn't say, listen, I'm gonna, I want you to come follow me so I can fix you. I want you to come follow me so I can take care of all your inconsistencies. He said, follow me and I'll help you fish for people. See, to Jesus... Evangelism was a big deal. Isn't it the whole reason he came? That's me. Isn't that the whole reason he came? To save this broken, busted world. And here's what we've done. Is we've captured that message and held it to ourselves. See, there's a reason. Listen, some of you, I know some of your stories. And, and God has radically transformed your lives. He's cleansed you from an addiction. He's gotten you out of bad situations. And he's remarkably transformed your life. And I need to tell you that he didn't do that so you can shut up about it. He wants you to lift your voice. He wants you to cry loud and spare not this Radical message that Jesus took my place. I deserve death, but he died for me. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf so I could be righteousness of God. 
It's a beautiful story. And we ought to be sharing it with urgency. <laughs> if evangelism was a priority for Jesus, it ought to be a priority for us. I told them in the prayer room, sometimes when I talk about this, it's almost like a tithe sermon. Because you can tell when people shut you off when you start talking about evangelism because it forces you to get out of your comfort zone. And I hope I'm doing that today. I, I hope before you leave that you're so upset with me because I, we, we're going to stretch you today and get you out of this place where you think, well, that's somebody else's job. That's somebody else's priority. I got my own stuff to care about. You're looking at the world telling them to go to hell. And that's not what we're called here to do. It was a priority for Jesus that ought to be priority for us. I, I think the beautiful part of the story, and you can write this down if you want to, is that we ought to let Jesus use us where we're at. Don't, don't you think it's interesting the analogy that he used for becoming fishers of men was to Fishermen? What if they were electricians? He'd have said, I'll teach you how to connect people to God. What, what if they were plumbers? I'll teach you how to help people flush the sin out of their life. I don't. How many understand that the the fisher part isn't the beauty of that analogy. It's he's saying, listen, you're, you're a fisherman. Right where you're at. If you'll follow me, I can teach you how to take what you know, do something amazing with it. See, uh, I'm convinced that, you know, God, God's in the business of, of not, I used to have this idea, maybe this will relate to somebody, that if I gave my heart to Christ, that everything about me was going to change, my personality was going to change, and, and I wasn't going to be Dwayne anymore. And how many know that that's not the case? Now listen, he made me a brand new man, but I'm still Dwayne. He, the, the things that, that, that kind of make me tick then, you, you know, God's used that. In fact, he's transformed some of it. I was, I was backwards and introverted. I know you find that hard to believe. But God's taken it and he's formed and shaped my personality and this is what I believe he wants for you. Is you know, he's probably not going to ask you to become a missionary tomorrow and go to Africa and marry a woman with a monkey on her head. That's likely not going to be the case. He might, but probably not. You know what he's probably going to challenge you to do? To go into your place of business tomorrow and be a light. Go into your school and be a light. Go home and be a light. Right where you are. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. Can I, can I talk to the men? Man, sh sh let, me, let me see the men. I want you to evangelize the world. You know what I really want you to do? 
I want you to start at home. Do you know in the New Testament, even in, even in Jewish culture in the Old Testament, the idea of a woman waking up her husband and saying, Honey, are we going to church today? It's inconceivable. Do you know whose responsibility it was in the Bible to disciple and raise your children and disciple your wife? It wasn't the priest's job. It was your job. That was a shameless plug for this coming Thursday night, men. I want you to come on Thursday night. We're starting a brand new men's Bible study called Kingdom Man. And, and here's what I believe. I believe if you'll show up, God will transform you and he'll make you a kingdom man. We're going to learn what it means to follow God as men. Come on. I, I used to think that men that were Christians were sissy. Me and Clint had this little conversation. And, and God messed him up just like he messed me up. And I'm going to tell you that the boldest, manliest, most robust, masculine thing you can do is drop to your knees and worship Jesus and lead your family to the cross of Christ. There's a lot of males in this world, not a lot of men. We're going to talk about that Thursday night. Y'all be here. Let Jesus use you right where you are. Next thing I want you to understand about that passage is that Jesus' call demands a response. Do you see what he said? The scripture says, and they left their nets at once. And followed them. Left their nets at once and followed him. They left their nets at once. Do you, do you sense urgency? That when he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets and followed him right away. So I'm going to tell you that at some point today, you're going to have to make a response. Now listen, I'm, I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about soul-winning strategies and witnessing uh, gimmicks. I just want you to say this. Okay. I just want you to be willing to drop your nets and follow Jesus. I, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other stuff later, but here's what I want from you today. Either say yes or no. Either say yes, I'll, I'll follow you, Christ. I will... I, I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll be a fisher of men or no world you can go to hell. Now, I know I don't usually talk to you like this, but I want you to hear the urgency in my voice. In fact, tomorrow morning, it'll be a more urgent message. And then the following morning, it'll be a more urgent message. And then the next day, it'll be a more urgent message. Why? Why, Dwayne? Because it's, we're that much closer to the, all of this stuff wrapping up. And you don't know when your last breath is going to be. So why don't you do something today to make your eternity matter? To make, oh, whoa, oh, 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 not just yours, but somebody else's. Why? 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 One, two, three. One, two, three. This call demands a response. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Write this down. 
There's a direct connection between following and fishing. I, I tend to believe that as human beings, we start our conversations with something important and we finish them with something important. The first thing Jesus said was, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher. The last thing he said, anybody know what it was? Go. He's, the first thing he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The last thing he said was, go into all the world, preach and teach and make disciples of every nation. Here's what we want to do. We want to separate our faith from this call. And I'm going to tell you, there's no room there for that. Here's what we want to do. Well, that's the preacher's job. No. That's, this, that, that's the growth group leader's job. That's the growth track leader's job. That's somebody else's job. And I'm going to tell you that if you've said yes to the call of Christ, it's your responsibility to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Yours. Yours. Why? Why is there such urgency? One. Two. Three. So here's what I want to do before we receive communion in just a few moments. I'm going to give you five action steps. One, two, three, four, five. Of what you can do today. The first thing, I want you to leave this building. Everyone in the building. I want you to leave this building having made evangelism a priority. And if it isn't, I want you to search your heart. If, if every time you've heard me count to three, if, if this thought is in your mind, well, that's probably somebody I don't know, somebody I don't care about, something's wrong. If, it, if it's not a priority, I want you to search your heart and ask yourself why. Why isn't it a big deal? Why don't I care that people around me are dying, separated from God? Why don't I care? I want you to make evangelism a priority and I want you to respond with urgency. I want you to make sure. Listen, this is, this is not something that can wait. Aren't you glad somebody showed you Jesus? Aren't you glad some of you were raised in a home that, that chased God? You were discipled as a child. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that maybe you didn't grow up in church, but somebody loved you enough to share with you? Maybe it was just an invitation to come. See, that's what it was for me. It was just 
I, I told you my story, a little 14-year-old girl that just would not let me go, and I only went to shut her up, and God transformed my life. She was real worried about offending me, by the way. Not even a little. And listen, don't, don't take me. You guys know me. I'm not, I'm not telling you to be snotty. I'm not telling you to be offensive intentionally just because you can. How I many know there's, a, there's enough of that? I'm not telling you to intentionally offend people. I, I would, no, that's, that's, not my, that's not my heart. I saw an evangelist from my home church, and here's what he would do. And y'all, this is, this is hilarious. He would he'd take a, a book of matches, knock on the door. And when the door was open, he'd strike a match. Do you know hell is seven times hotter than that match? Come on. Stop. I told you about the other one. Uh, we'll, we'll get there later. Because evangelism isn't a gimmick. Write that down. Evangelism isn't a gimmick. I told you about the one that I've seen where people take a fake $20 bill and give it to a waitress that's got a gospel track on the inside of it. Are you kidding me? And I get it. There's all sorts of evangelism tools, and I'm not telling you not to use those. I'm just telling you, I, just, I don't know many of them that are very effective. You know it does work? It's when you love people enough that you, you have such a love for God that it's transformed your life. And that love spills out to other people. And you walk like Jesus walked and you talk like Jesus talked and you love like Jesus loved. Can I tell you that there is no greater tool than just being like Jesus. The third thing I want to tell you is to take a risk. I was talking to somebody not too long ago. And we're, we were having this conversation about witnessing to strangers. And I said, I think that's cool. But there's really not a lot of risk involved there. And they looked at me like, what do you mean? I'm walking up to a stranger sharing the gospel. I said, I just don't think there's a lot of risk there. What do you mean? Well, if they reject you, you walk away and you never see them again. I, I think a greater risk is to share your story, to share the love of God, to share the transforming power of Christ with people that live in your house, with people that work with you, the people that you know, the people you used to smoke dope with. People you used to do all sorts of stuff. I, I heard this amazing story. It's from a, a guy in my covenant group, my pastoral covenant group. And uh, we, were, we were having lunch. And all of a sudden, he begins to cry. He takes his glasses off. And he said, I, I just got to share something with you all. And I, I, I just got to get this off of my, my chest. And I just want to share this with you. And he said... What none of you know 
is that not too terribly long ago, my wife had an affair. And obviously, we we're like, wow, that's heavy. He goes, well, it's worse. He said, she had an affair. Now, he's a pastor of a, not a small church. She had an affair with a member of my elder board. Problematic. And he begins to tell us the whole story, and I won't bore you with the whole story, but the, the beautiful part, his wife, uh, the, the church wrapped their arms of love and compassion around his wife and restored her, and she's doing great. Their marriage has never been stronger. And he said, here's why I need you to pray for me. And I said, uh, we said, why? I'm having breakfast tomorrow morning with the man my wife had an affair with. And I said, why? why? Why would you do that? And I said, what are you thinking? What's the goal? And he answered me, and I felt about this tall. He said, when it happened, my church wrapped their arms of love around my wife, and we sent this dude packing. And I want to make sure he knows that the same restoration that was available for my wife is available to him. Take a risk. That's a pretty big one. Take a risk. Listen, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you with this. If, if you'll say yes, okay, God. See, here's what we worry about. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't really have any friends that aren't saved. And we're going to talk about that next week, by the way. Because that's the largest excuse from Christian people is, well, I don't have any unsaved friends. We're going to talk about that next week. You make sure you be here. Take a risk. I promise you, if you'll say yes, okay, I'm dropping the net, God. I'm following you. That you, you can't pray that kind of dangerous prayer and, not God, and God not put somebody in your path. All right. So take a risk. The fourth thing I want you to stop doing uh, or start doing, but you kind of got to stop doing it to start doing it, you'll see, is to stop pre-qualifying people. I learned this lesson when I sold cars. Yes, I sold cars. Don't judge me. I learned this lesson early on because sometimes people would get out of their car. Y'all remember car payment books? You remember those? If anybody ever got out of their trade and they're holding their car payment book in their hand, you know what they're ready to do? Buy another car. Period. But sometimes people would come in and they didn't look like they could afford to buy a new car. They didn't look like they had the money to buy a new car. They didn't look like they had the credit to buy a new car. They didn't look like they had the ability to buy a new car. It might be a, an, an old guy wearing old beat-up overalls, and he's got $10,000 in his watch pocket. And so here's what we learned, not to pre-qualify people. That if, if they're on this lot, you pretend that they've got every ability that they can to buy a vehicle. But here's what we do. Christians do the same thing. Well, they'll never get saved. They're too far gone. They've never accepted an invitation to come to church. I, I need you to stop doing that. Stop pre-qualifying people. Stop determining whether or not you think God's big enough to reach them. 
Because if that's in your mind, well, well God can't reach them. God's not going to do anything in their life. Then you serve a pretty puny God. How, how many of you were a long way off when God found you? Two of you. Uh, uh, you see, no, no, no. That, that, that's a testimony. See, we, we, don't, we forgot how far we've come. But I was like the prodigal. The, prodigal, the story of the prodigal story says, and, and the father saw the son while he was still a long way off. Anybody been a long way off? Yes, me too. And I'm just telling you, man, just live the life and watch who God brings in your path. And don't pre-qualify people. Well, I tried and it didn't work. It's a pretty sorry fisherman that casts one time Reels in with nothing. I goes, well, we might as well pack it up and go home. Now, I'm not a great fisherman. I like to go, but I do more eating chocolate chip cookies than I do catching fish. But here's what I know. There's a lot more times you bring that lure in without a fish than when you bring that lure in with one. Is that true, fishermen? But you know what we're going to do all day long till we run out of chocolate chip cookies? We're going to keep casting that lure. Listen to me. Man, I, 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 I hope you're hearing the urgency in my heart. And here's the most important reason why you need to be, why you need to make evangelism a priority in your own life. You ready? Because Jesus said so. Never Try to detach your faith from your mandate to share it. Because, listen, this walk is not about you. You're going to heaven. This walk is about you trying to spread this message of redemption and rescue. I get it. You're like, Dwayne, I don't want to be one of those crazy Christians. I get it. I understand. And I don't, can I say, I don't want you to be one of those crazy Christians. I, you know, if God tells you to go stand on the street corner with a megaphone, do it. But just don't put a LifePoint logo on your sign. That's awful, isn't it? You know what I, I believe God is calling us to be? Is real people who've met a real Jesus and he's made a real change in our life. I'm, I'm coming to know that it, it's not hard to engage people in a spiritual conversation. People want to know. In fact, we are right in the middle of a season where people are more receptive to an invitation than at any other time of the year. One study I read said that 82% of people surveyed in America would say yes to an invitation from a friend to attend church on Easter Sunday. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. That's four out of five for you know those of you that have had a rudimentary math class. So what if, 
What if, let's just, can we just dream for a minute? What if everybody in this room went to five people that they knew and said, would you come to church with me on Easter Sunday? And four of them said yes. Well, Dwayne, or Bilda wouldn't hold it. You let me worry about that. You bring them here, I'll find a place for them to put their fannies. I promise. So here's, here's how I want to end this service. We're going to participate in Holy Communion. And I, I hope that we have a little bit different perspective today. So they're going to serve you. Don's going to come and play. And then, and then we'll talk about what, what this communion today ought to represent. We do, this, we do this every first Sunday. We participate in Holy Communion. And, and maybe you've not been here on a first Sunday when we do this. And so I just want to take a minute and explain to you what's going on. When Jesus, just hours before he went to the cross, he, he took a loaf of bread and he took a, a cup and he said, I, I want to share this meal with you one last time, but I want this one to mean something. And he went on to tell them that the bread represented his body that was going to be broken. And he went on to tell them that the cup represented his blood that was going to be shed for our sin, for our salvation. And so today when we do this, it, it's simply a way for you and I to remember. To remember what Christ has done for us. But before we do this, I... I feel compelled. Man, if you're here, and that's not a choice you've made, to follow Jesus. Man, I'd, I'd love for today to be the day that you say yes to Him. I'd love for today to be the day that you decide, you know, I, I believe that this call that we've read about is, is for me. That Christ is calling me to follow Him. And, and listen, Maybe you feel like I felt that you've got a long way to go. I, I genuinely believe it takes one step. You say yes to Jesus. I'll follow you. Forgive me my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me a new creature. I believe you will. Lord, I love you. Here's a different perspective I want us to have today. Maybe you're able to participate in this communion with this thought in mind. God, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for his broken body. Thank you for his shed blood. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. 
And as we receive this communion, I want us to not only remember what Jesus did for us, but to also remember those in our lives that, that he died to save as well, who might not have the peace that you have today, who might not have the assurance to know that Christ has forgiven them, and if they left this earth, that they'd step into his arms. See, you, you may have that assurance today, but there may be somebody near you. There may be somebody in your family. There may be somebody in your world that doesn't have that assurance. And all I'm telling you to do is, is to remember that. R remember what Jesus has done, but remember who he did it for. I get it. Man, there's a lot of nonsense in our world. There's a lot of, there's a lot of anger in our world. There, there's things that happen on a daily basis that I watch and I think, how can people be so chaotic and so ridiculous? But at the end of the day, Jesus came to bring life and life more abundant. And I just want you to remember that. I want you to remember that he did it for you, but he didn't do it just for you. He would have. If you'd have been the only one that needed him, he would have done the exact same thing. He would have come and he would have lived and he would have died and he would have risen again. But you know somebody that doesn't have the assurance that you have this morning. Let's remember that. Let's pray for them. And when you leave this place, I want you to leave on mission to be fishers. The Bible says, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it, passed it out, and said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Take and eat the bread. Father, today we're thankful for the broken body of your son, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you that because of his body being broken, we can experience wholeness and healing. We remember that today with gratefulness. The Bible says he took the cup. It said this cup represents, represents my blood. He said it's the blood of a new covenant. In other words, there's a new way. The New Testament of God's grace and mercy. This is my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Every time you drink it, remember what I've done for you is what Jesus said. So take and drink. Now in your own way, would you, along with me, just thank Christ for his awesome gift of love, awesome gift of salvation and forgiveness and healing. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. Hey, if you're here today, man, I just would encourage you. If you don't, if you don't know the Lord and you're not following Jesus today, and, and you, you, you feel that tug in your heart, listen to me. I, I know what that tug is. I felt it. It's, it's God. And he's pulling you toward himself. And if you'll let him, he'll come into your life and he'll change it. 
He'll make you a brand new creature. He'll make you more like Him. He'll forgive you of every wrong that you've ever done. He'll make you a home in heaven. So maybe you're here for the first time or the 10,000th time. And you say, Dwayne, I'm not following Christ. I believe that right now in this moment would be your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so here's how I want to do this. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here and you would say, Dwayne, I want to to leave this place assured that Christ has forgiven me of my sin, assured that he's changed my life, assured that I'm on my way to heaven, assured that he has a plan and a purpose for my life, assured that I'm a follower of Jesus. I want you to, I'm going to give you this prayer. I don't do this often, but I just feel compelled in my heart to do this today. If you're here and you don't know God and you want to follow him today, from this day forward to the rest of your life, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. In fact, I want us to do it this way. Maybe you say, Dwayne, I've been saved forever and ever and ever. I've been saved 20, 30, 50, 60 years. I'd like everybody in the room to repeat this prayer out loud. And here's what that's going to do. That's going to help someone that may be saying this prayer for the first time, maybe receiving Christ for the very first time. It's going to help them and encourage them. And and you'll be a source of encouragement for them. So I want everybody in the building to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus. Forgive me my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Give me a brand new life. I believe your son Jesus is the Savior of the world and the Son of God. I want to serve you the rest of my life. Make my life matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if, if you prayed that prayer maybe for the first time, I want you to check that box on the back of your connection card. Put it in the offering bag when it comes in just a little while. I love you. Thank you so much for being here today.